Hello, and we are back, and we are dead. And of course, I mean one day closer to dead. I am Dave Beaudry. And I'm Jason Bailey. And Jason, it's just me and you this week. I hope we don't get bored. Yeah, absolutely. That was a complete clusterfuck that was entertaining last week. Let me tell you. Well, no one does a clusterfuck like Cody Murray. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Well, it's just, you know, it proves that we shouldn't have amateurs on this show. Really. I oh, mean, wow. it's, it's wow. one of those things where, you know, when the two main eventers have a jobber how, show up. and How and dare you, gotta, you, sir? And you got to kind of move them along. No, you know, I'm fucking kidding. Uh, of course, Commander Cody Murray being back in the saddle again in, in the hideout reunion was fantastic. And I'm going to tell you something. I was a little wary of it at, at the beginning. It was particularly when we were recording. I was just like, "Well, I don't know how this is fucking coming off because we've never had a third, a real third guest on." Uh, no, no disrespect, President Biden, but we never had a, a real. And the thing is that it just it worked marvelously because listening to you guys' feedback out there, you really, truly, sincerely, legally, and technically enjoyed the Jason's Hideout reunion of Commander Cody Murray, David Beaudry, and, of course, your own Jason Bailey. And uh, you can see more of that on YouTube. It's on Jason's Hideout. Just look it up. But uh, that's where it all started. And honestly, I just think that um, a lot of what you're hearing on this podcast, uh, those roots are there in, in that uh, that very amateur hour uh, public access wannabe primetime wrestling slash The Tonight Show thing happened there and uh but yeah thank you for listening we are a bona fide hit we uh we we went all the way rocketed to number three in personal journaling all over the world we almost brought brought uh broke the top thousand in the world of podcasting thank you very much and of course our top five cities like i like to count down is los angeles you have firmly taken number one you got the belt again kansas city missouri number two number three is wichita kansas number four our one and only paris france number five a newcomer Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis, Minnesota broke the top five. So thank you very much, listeners. We certainly appreciate it. And we really, truly appreciate Commander Cody Murray. He was awesome. We had a great trip going to go see uh, Jobaka down in Tennessee. And uh, he got back home. He told me he got back in Burbank and went up into the mountains again where he belongs. Mountain man, Cody Murray. Well, I learned a lot last week. Obviously, I learned a lot about uh, Mr. Murray's hatred for his home team, uh, his hatred for all things Wookiee. It was it was a very educational week for me. I enjoyed it immensely. You are such a fucking heel, dude. Like, what? At least that on the outside, I just I am let a teddy the- bear without the fur. I at least outwardly tell everyone right up front, I'm the fucking heel. You, you sneaky bastard. You played, you played him. How dare you? You played him like a cheap harp from hell. I'll tell you something. But uh, hey, and guys, some other wonderful, wonderful feedback that we got out there. A lot of you have changed your motherfucking tune on uh, Joe Biden and him having, you know, not really a whole hell of a lot to do with the Afghanistan hellish nightmare that we're seeing on a daily basis. So, hey, thank you very much for finally coming around and admitting that Joe Biden is the president currently under this clusterfuck of a situation. We do appreciate that. And by the way, that's I don't want to rub salt in your wounds or I told you so. I fucking told you so. But it is interesting to me that we have a great listenership and the dozens out there I don't know if they learned it from us or they listened because of this, but Dave, they're not afraid to say, hey, I think you guys might be right. I think we might be wrong. It just took them a week or two longer than than what we had uh, before we came to uh, the right conclusion. So, hey, thank you very much, listeners, for uh, changing your tune a little bit, if that's what you believe. If you don't, it's okay. You don't have to be right. We are. So it's just one of those things where it's it's as the news has unfolded and they've seen more and more of explanation and excuses and finger pointing. It's very obvious that fucking situation, this situation we're in, could have been handled a lot differently. And that is a major source of feedback, Dave, that we have gotten. Well, I think it, it certainly could have been handled differently, but it also, I mean, it could have been handled very differently over the last 20 years. And that's why I don't think like staying an extra month would have drastically improved the quality of the withdrawal. Uh, so I, I, I think it's unfair to say like it, 
all falls on Biden's shoulders, just like I say it's inaccurate to say that none of it falls on Biden's shoulders. Like, it's a systemic failure that has gone on for decades, and I will credit Biden for at least owning the situation more than what a lot of previous leaders have, though he's still being a bit disingenuous by saying his hands were tied and, you know, he, he had no freedom in in how the, you know, withdrawal was handled or whatever. Like, that's, that's not true at all. But, you know, I do think in the ultimate... Um, you know, and obviously since since we've done that recording, there was a suicide bombing and, and multiple service members were killed. Um, you know, we'd be remiss without without mentioning that as part of this conversation. But uh, in the long term best interests of the American military and the country, the country being the United States as a whole, you know, I I think it's hard to argue that it's not better off in the long term that we no longer be, you know, trying to police a country halfway across the world. Um, you know, the flip is, again, you know, we have to take care of the, the allies that were trying to assist us during that entire, you know, entire war there. And and that's going to be an ongoing or should be an ongoing effort. It has to be, it has to be the, uh, you know, my, the very core of who I am has been shaken, uh, more so than I even thought I would be by the plight of Afghan, Afghani women and, and, you know, it, it, it the, the the even the young you know you're talking the girls and things like that where 20 25 years of their psyche has only known american uh, you know occupation and the the trappings thereof of freedom that that they can have and the things they can do with their lives and how that's being taken away from them in a just violent disgusting horrific medieval way um it really hurts me to, to, to my very core. And I'm not just saying that I, you know, there's a part of me that wants to dedicate a whole nother show just to that and, and figure out, you know, what, whatever we can do in a humanitarian diplomatic effort. And I, I hope that is truly what's on uh, everyone's mind uh, up in Washington. It's not. And everyone around the world, because that's just, I always look at it like we, we adopted a child from a terrible fucking family, uh, you know, addicted to meth and beating them and throwing them against the walls and shit. And then we just handed them back, you know, and it's, uh, it's worse now than ever. So I don't really know. And I can talk about it at a later date. Uh, what the war on terrorism here actually achieved. I think it actually made it fucking worse. So that's, that's, that's the conversation for another time, but it is interesting. That's on a lot of you out there, a lot of the dozens minds, because you have, uh, contacted us with the same sentiments. So thank you very much for that. And we will probably, uh, get to that a little bit later, uh, in, in the, uh, upcoming shows, but we have a something. Go ahead. Something quick, Jason. Yeah, I will. I will say, and you were not saying this to be clear. I'm I'm not uh, attributing this to you, but I, I, I do find a certain irony in those that correctly have been, you know, uh, bemoaning the the danger and the loss of rights that women in Afghanistan are are currently very ge- legitimately dealing with, while as of today celebrating the fact that uh, the rights of women in Texas have been just completely fucking obliterated uh, without so much as a second thought about it. Obviously, I'm, I'm referencing the um, extreme Texas abortion law, which was not so much upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court, but the the request to um, look at that decision or that law was was just not answered by the U.S. Supreme Court. They ignored it, which means basically it went into effect. And that allows uh, anyone of any kind to sue anyone who even like drives a woman to an abortion clinic or something as like an accessory or, or what, like it's so draconian and just, I am so, I have a severe hatred for religious extremism and I don't care what religion it is, whether we're talking Muslim extremism, Islamic extremism, Christian, Christ, I almost, I almost said Christianity and then Christian extremism. And that kind of came out as a weird, like hybrid. Well, who cares? No it's, quite it's, it's the same fucking thing. You were on the right path. Yeah, you know, uh, Catholic extremism. Like, it's, I just, I am, again, I'm all for people believing what helps them get through the day as long as they're not hurting other people in the expression of those beliefs and not dictating how other people live their lives. But um, when it gets to, to such extremist views, which I, I truly believe the, 
you know, the Texas law is, is based in, in religious extremism. Um, because it's not based on medical science. I, you know, I find that very uh, disheartening. And it's, and I also, like, there's a friend of mine who's from Texas who uh, I saw something on social media that I don't disagree with who's like, look, let's not villainize the entire state because that state has been gerrymandered to absolute fuck. And, like, there's plenty of people that live there that are not down with this that just are not in a position right now to be able to do anything about it. And that, I mean, there is a lot to be said about, you know, putting the blame where it belongs with the political religious leaders of the of the state, because it's not always just, well, who voted for them? Because, again, with gerrymandering and public misinformation, all kinds of there's all kinds of manipulation that goes into into that, which we will be talking about in a different way uh, momentarily. Absolutely. The the two, you know, and I understand what you were saying there. Perfectly. But I think that the the same people that are, you know, saying and this is true, that there is a thought crime occurring when you're even thinking about, you know, assisting in an abortion or or, you know, any of that in Texas, which I mean, Jabaka summed it up perfectly. I mean, we are really in escape from New York, escape from L.A. Uh, territory now. Uh, where, Handmaid's Tale. Where, where there is a thought fucking crime. Oh, suck my dick. Like, get the fuck out of here. You know, I've always heard you can be, you can be accused of a lot of things and you can be uh, held accountable for what you do. We've learned you can be held accountable for what you say, sure as shit, in the last 20 fucking years, but for what you fucking think in your head, oh my God, get on your knees and lick my asshole, you fucking cunts. I can't fucking stand this shit. And I mean, we were even told by a few people, contact us, said it may be too hot a topic for you guys to touch this one. Uh, there ain't no fucking topic that's too hot. Oh, Texas? When goddamn women's rights, people's rights are being taken away because of this bullshit. And when you were saying all of the, you know, that, that, that Christian control and all of that religious uh, insanity, you know, where it's just absolute nutso stuff. Fervor, yeah. what, what I think about it is I don't, you know, I always say as long as it doesn't impede on my personal freedoms. Okay. You believe whatever the fuck it is you want to believe. But when that starts to become part of the governing system of the people, that walk yep. around this country, it's gone too fucking far. And what I always think is hysterical is that we, we growing up, I was always told there's separation of church and state. Really? That was always a myth, <laughs> but it seems like it's becoming more of a myth get, than what it get was. Get the even fuck out of here. We are, we have, I, I, this is insane that this is brought up. And God we trust is on our fucking money, assholes. And what's even better is, here everyone says we escaped England. We all left England to get away from, you know, the Church of England, blah, blah, fuckity, blah. We are the most religious motherfuckers in the world, telling people what to do, what to do, not to do, how to do it, when to do it. It's fucking crazy. I mean, I just, the Texas stuff has just, when we talk about the pendulum swinging, and you got California and Massachusetts on this side, Jesus fucking Christ, Texas is on the other. That fucking clock pendulum just going back and forth, back and forth, back and fucking forth. I mean, this should have been under the what the fuck's, you know, Texas episode. But the, the thing is that uh, the whole, you know, thought crime uh, bullshit that there's a penalty for that. I don't even, all I can say also, is get the fuck out of this state. What the it, fuck? It, it makes abortion for those who don't know, because we do have international listeners who may not uh, may not be up on Texas politics. But it also um, bans abortions after I forget if it's six or six and a half weeks uh, after conception, which means most women won't even know that they're pregnant at that time before it's even you know. Uh, and again, it's not based on any actual science of when life begins, because it's still just a cluster of cells with no brain at that point. But nevertheless, here we are, <laughs> and this is where. And, and this is where, um, you know, people have expressed people, meaning uh, conservatives, Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. Trump's people especially have expressed, you know, outrage at some of the decisions of the Supreme Court over the last, you know, few months or whatever. Here's where they're doing. When I say they, I mean the conservative majority of which, you know, Trump had a, a enlarged influence on. Um, this is where the court is doing what they were put there to do. You know, Barrett was chosen, I believe, because of uh, 
religious views on abortion. Kavanaugh was chosen, I believe, because of religious views on abortion. Gorich was chosen, I believe, because of religious views on abortion. So by refusing to hear the Texas case, they did exactly what they were put in that office to do. And, you know, yeah, they may they may go off the reservation on some other things. Um, and I may even agree with them on what some of those other things are. Like, I, I forget, there was, there was a couple decisions recently. Where I was like, oh, well, yeah, like, I actually think that was the, the right call. Whereas, they, you know, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't go in on the election was stolen you know, overturn things. Bullshit. Well, they, you know? they don't all, they don't um, have to worry about a reelection problem no, for themselves. But, That's why. Yeah, sure. But regardless, it's better for the country that at least they didn't, uh, run with the ball on that one, you know, but when it comes to abortion, they're going to go exactly with where they were expected to go. And that's exactly <clears throat> what, you know, what just occurred. Absolutely. And then the last bit of feedback that we got to talk about is apparently, um, Someone that, you know, we're, we're pretty much got the same listenership as uh, Joe Rogan. So the Joe Rogan experience, I mean, you know, give and take. Sometimes he's number one. Sometimes we are. But, you know, who, who's counting? Who, who's keeping track? Really? You know, Joe, you're a colleague. But at any rate, some people did contact us about Joe Rogan uh, getting the uh, getting the cotton candy. And um, yeah, that was that was something. Uh, apparently, he is somebody that was taking or is taking or trying to take ivermectin, the uh, cattle dewormer or horse dewormer or whatever the fuck it is now that the uh, the Trumpy and the Moggins think that uh, will cure COVID. You know, it was Listerine, it was sunshine, and it was uh, Clorox bleach. Uh, so now it's uh, this this wonderful ivervet, ivermectin or whatever the fuck. So uh, yeah, that is a few a few people contact us with the whole uh, Joe Rogan thing. Well, the thing that's hilarious to me is some like I don't think it's it's accurate to say Rogan was a straight anti-vaxer. No, but he was he was on record for saying that he personally believed that it wasn't as necessary for younger people to get to get vaccinated because they could handle the virus, whatever. Um, but a lot of the people that are anti-vax, at least part of their argument is that they don't, you know, want to put anything in their bodies or they don't know where it came from or they don't, you know, like they're not clear on the science of it or whatever. Yet these same motherfuckers are taking horse dewormer. Like what? The the complete like it's one thing like there's I mentioned a couple friends of mine last week uh, who have autoimmune conditions and and how that could affect whether they are or are not able to get vaccinated or whatnot. There's at least one friend of mine who I know who as far as I know has not uh, been vaccinated is not has no medical reason for doing so but just has you know concerns or whatever. That's their judgment. I can disagree with that. Whatever. However, I will say at least in that friend's defense. That person, I have no doubt, would not be taking horse dewormer for an infection either. <laughs> so at least there would be consistency in that concern in that argument. Whereas these, like, I saw a thing on Twitter where, uh, you know, someone had had who had been an anti-vax person had come down with COVID or whatever, and then all the you know like-minded morons were were trying to give the medical advice. Someone's like, yeah, take the uh, ivermectin, blah blah blah, as well as an antibiotic and blah blah. blah antibiotic it's a virus you dumb fucks like antibiotic by definition is antibacterial of which a virus is not like it's just the people that are are trying to be like well i just don't trust the science there but are taking fucking anti-parasite medication that has been dosed for horses it's just like yeah it's it's, it's, it's fucking it's like pizza gig. it really is it's but it's it's something that, like, it's satire at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, it's an onion headline. Yep. Like, person concerned about what goes into his body, currently taking horse dewormer for COVID-19. Like, it, it's like something you would make up to, to as an example of how stupid people can be. And yet, here we are, <laughs> 2021. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just fucking phenomenal it, it, to see... Uh, well, I said it last week. To me, it's just plain and simple and stupid Darwinism at its finest. And to be clear, in regards to Rogan specifically, like I don't think Rogan is a stupid individual. I think that greatly underestimates, you know, him, and 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 also is not fair to, uh, you know, the the conversations that he encourages and the platform that he has and and all that. You know, I do think obviously. Uh, I think he is misguided in some of what he believes. There are certain things I would certainly very strongly disagree with him on. 
But I think it would be over. I think it's overly simplified to try to. Be, you know, I, I don't think Rogan's a dumb guy. I think he's a very intelligent guy who had we believe some very odd kind of strange things. Uh, the ivermectin thing. I mean, you know, whatever. But the problem is again that he's espousing that that he's taken that and now he feels great and all that. You know, that's that's gonna embolden a lot of really unwise uh, medical choices from people. When Rogan even himself says, don't listen to me for medical advice. Because <laughs> yeah. dude doesn't want to get sued. Absolutely. So anyway, um, we've talked about a lot of fires this week without even going into the dumpster fire. Jason, should we should we move on? Yes, we should. Let's, I mean, after all that horror show, why not get into an even bigger one? The world is a dumpster fire, Mr. Bailey. Did you know that? I certainly did. Yes, you did, because you are the vanilla Godzilla, and did you know why? Because it truly fucking is. Indeed. And uh, we got a dumpster fire in California that, I mean, in a lot of ways is a, a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but that wound is definitely bleeding out and could become septic. So, again, I am well aware that many of our listeners do not live in California or do not know about California politics, but California is currently facing a recall election in the governor's race. Uh, now anyone in California, I believe can't, that is eligible to vote can, can vote through the mail anytime between, you know, now, and I believe September 14th is the deadline or on the 14th or around the 14th, they can go in and vote to the polls or whatever. Gavin, Gavin Newsom is being recalled using, um, um, California like amendment where if you get enough signatures on a ballot or enough signatures on a petition, excuse me, uh, and those signatures are verified and proven to not be horseshit or whatever, then you can basically recall kind of anybody that you choose to. It's how uh, Schwarzenegger got elected exactly. uh, over over Gray Davis yeah. in, in California. And Gray Davis, I thought, was a pretty horrible governor <laughs> at that time, so I actually was okay with that. But uh, nevertheless, so Gavin Newsom is up for recall, and the the ballot has two questions. And this is what I misunderstood initially. I thought for sure, like when I first heard about the recall and that the ballots had been verified, and or I'm sorry, the signatures, let me get this straight, had been verified and that it would be a, a ballot question, there would be a recall election. I had initially thought, well, I mean, Jesus, that's not going to be a major concern because you got like 15 or however many candidates on the Republican side, they're all going to split the vote, in which case, like, there's no way Newsom's not going to be able to, to overcome that. That's actually not how it works. It is a two-question process. The first question is, should he be recalled? Yes or no? If the yeses outweigh the noes, then it goes to the second question of who should replace him. And then it's just whoever gets the most votes out of the people that are on that list. So therefore, in a simple yes or no vote, like the polls are showing, it's a toss-up. Newsom could be out on his ass. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Newsom. There's things you think he's done well. There's things I think he hasn't done well. But... The leading Republican candidate by the polls, and I mean, who knows about the polls, but um, is Larry Elder, which people don't know. He's a, a radio talk show host. He's a Trumpian to his core. He has spoken about how Trump bears no responsibility for January 6th, how his response to the COVID you know, pandemic was wonderful. Uh, pretty much everything he's ever done is fantastic. I'm paraphrasing. You know, there may be exceptions to that, but... Uh, vehemently anti-abortion, uh, vehemently anti-minimum wage, thinks minimum wage should be zero, uh, against paid family leave. Like, this is the guy who could conceivably, uh, or at least is in the best position right now to replace Newsom if this recall goes through, if enough people vote yes as opposed to vote no, um, on by the 14th. And if that happens, Elder, along with several other Republican candidates, but let's focus on Elder because he seems to be the, the one with the most wind in his sails currently. He said day one, he would there would be no more mask mandates throughout the state. There'd be no more vaccine mandates throughout the state. Um, everything would be reopened completely. And, you know, it. we've seen what effect that has had on other states. I said, I'm not a huge fan of Gavin Newsom. The main reason I think this recall is happening is because in the middle of the lockdown, he was on video at the French Laundry restaurant and maskless at a, a private dinner. And I mean, just the sheer hypocrisy, arrogance of that infuriated, rightly so, so many fucking people. If that had not happened, I really don't think this this recall would be happening right now. I could be wrong on that, but that's my own personal opinion. Um you know, there's other things he's done that I'm not a fan of. He signed AB5 into law, which basically made working as an independent contractor in California 
highly difficult, if not illegal, as well as the ability to hire independent contractors in California, extremely difficult, if not illegal. It was written by Lorena Gonzalez in San Diego. Um, what was funny is I, I think it was Vice who had posted a thing when that law had first gotten through, but it hadn't become law yet. Like it gotten signed. They were like, this is going to be so great for Californian workers' rights and blah, blah, blah. As soon as it took effect, they laid off their entire California staff so they wouldn't have to make them employees. Uh, so it was fine as long as they weren't the ones having to follow it. And then ironically, um, side note, but I'll, I'll get back us, I'll get us back around in a moment. Uh, that, that law was basically meant to target Uber and Lyft, mm -hmm. uh, for, into forcing them to make their independent contractor drivers into employees. Now, I honestly believe like the way that's structured, while I do think those drivers should be paid more and should be getting more benefits, like I do think they fit the definition of independent contractors. They're deciding when they work, if they work, they have no office. Like there, there's a lot of things that go into that. But as soon as that law passed, they put a ballot measure on, they got a ballot measure put on the ballot that basically exempted them from that law and enough people voted on it to where it passed. So now that's facing court challenges. But as of right now, at this moment, Uber and Lyft are exempt from that law anyway. And yet people like me have a hard time getting independent contractor work because no one wants to hire anyone in California because of it. So I, I have issues with Gavin Newsom. Um, but this recall is a disaster. And if this recall goes through, the replacement, like the the uh, the cure is going to be worse than the disease, folks, especially if Elder is the, the one that ends up taking the reins. And just from a public health perspective, not to mention an economic perspective, like this is dangerous. So as much as they, in many ways, don't like Gavin Newsom or have issues with Gavin Newsom, I really strongly hope that People vote no on this recall thing and that they vote before September 14th. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, hearing hearing all of that, um, because I was there during the the recall of, uh, was it Gray Davis? And, Gray Davis, yeah. And Schwarzenegger winning uh, the governorship. And um, it's just a, it's a weird, California's a weird state, folks. Uh, you could just go, you know, our governor's not doing a good job. Fuck you, get out. And we've, uh, hey, who's the celebrity that's running? Who is it, Gary Coleman? Uh, Yoda? What, who? Yeah, that, that's the new governor. Uh, it is a very a show business state, even in politics, believe it or not. And uh, politics is show business anyway. But I always think it's fascinating uh, that I, you can look at the map of the United States of America and you can see the COVID in, infections. You can see all, you know, the death rate, all of this stuff. And you have from the very beginning of cotton candy. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm the only one noticing this. I'm sure I'm fucking not. But it, it goes right down the fucking line of... Is your governor Democrat or is your governor Republican? It really is that fucking simple. And I honestly think I've always lived at the right place at the right time for some reason. Like the fucking universe or Grandpa Jim or Roddy Piper or someone has always thrown me to where I need to be at the time of my life that I need to be there. And coming to Kentucky, right just a year or so later, Andy Bashir, our fucking governor, Democrat. What the fuck? I mean, it was like everyone who is liberal in pretty much Lexington and Louisville, nowhere else in this fucking state. Just it was it was the Ewok Yubnub dance all night long, all week long. It's been going on for months. Little You still got Mitch McConnell. I'm just going to throw that out there. But let's talk about the governorship, asshole. So here we go. We're going to talk <laughs> about the governorship is that it it completely dictates life and death. And we didn't even know this at the time that Andy Brashear became our governor. That we when did he become governor? Well, it was the year before. It would have been in fucking uh, what was it? November of two thousand nineteen. So don't look at me. I don't live I, there. I think that I'm thinking <laughs> in my head. And the thing is that what I'm trying to say is, at the time he won, there was none of this MAGA political stuff about COVID. COVID. There was none. But had we had a Republican, any fucking person as the governor and this fucking thing rolled through, cotton candy started being distributed in the carnival. Well, Kentucky was, would have bent over a fucking bourbon barrel, bourbon barrel and taken up the ass and we would have all been fucking dead as per Tennessee, as per Louisiana, as per Texas. I mean, as per Arkansas. 
as per Florida, for Christ's sake. Let and me, let me is, throw it, something. Well, give me one second. I just want to, before I throw it back to you, is I'm just sure. absolutely amazed that this one position in every state is the reason that your state, with the state you live in, is either completely fucked or slightly fucked. It is unbelievable that it matters that much and that California holds in the fucking balance. My home state for 20 goddamn years, if it wasn't run by a Democrat during COVID in this state, which is its own country, California is as, as much its own country as far as the, you know, the, the production, the money, the value, the people, the population as Texas, Okay. California will be the goddamn cotton candy Delta Blues zomba, zombie apocalypse very fucking soon if a Republican governor is in control. Sorry, Dave. Back to you, buddy. No worries. The A couple things, because I know I can already hear from here, from my chair in Burbank. I can, I can hear people across the country, dare I say, across the world. Uh yelling, well, what about, you know, the, the COVID numbers in California and the COVID numbers in New York, both of which Democratic governors? And that's a very fair, that's a very fair point. A couple things. One, uh, population density does does play a, a significantly large role. California, there's been times where we've, ha- we've had the highest rate, like, in the country. Um, but I will also say those numbers, when California did have the highest rates, like, that was after the attempt reopening. That was after you saw a lot of these restrictions loosened up. That was when a lot of the the mask mandates went away, at least temporarily, and, and was like we're open for business. And then the numbers just fucking peaked. So, and you know, I mean, obviously Cuomo in New York and nursing homes and stuff—that's all very legitimate, all very true. Cuomo's a piece of shit. I'm glad he's not in office anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Bring him up on charges. I have no arguments with any of that. But uh, back to California specifically. Uh, California has been doing better relative in regards to the cotton candy numbers compared to what they were. Can you really think for a second that if Larry Elder becomes the fucking new governor of California, that those numbers are going to get better? Can you honestly try to realistically make that argument that as bad as, even if you believe that Newsom has handled the pandemic horribly, for whatever reason, whether you don't like what he has or hasn't done with schools or like there's, again, plenty of very legitimate conversation to have there. I don't think this recall election is a good faith conversation. Um, I think it's a power grab uh, because of the um, the unique way in which California law is structured and where voters can pretty much kind of like put anything on the ballot that they so choose. Uh, it makes recalls a lot easier compared to some other parts of the country. Uh, the governor is essentially the president of the state for those that just need context or live in other countries and aren't aware. The governor is basically the president of the individual state in which they preside. Um, you know, so I, if, if Larry Elder, or one of these other people takes, takes the reins from Newsom in the recall. I don't think there's an argument that can be made that somehow the the existing COVID numbers that we still currently have are somehow going to get better and that they're not going to drastically get worse. And if they drastically get worse, it means a lot more deaths, a lot more hospitalizations, a lot more suffering. And haven't we already been through fucking enough? We have. I, I mean, it's it's fucking unbelievable. But that if, if you, you want to see a different kind of fucking wildfire... You go ahead in California and lift the mask mandates. You reopen everything. You let public gatherings happen. You want to see a fucking public gatherings have been happening already. You you go right the fuck ahead. You you ain't seen shit yet. And I mean, that's one thing you can't take away. If uh, you know Newsom's like every other fucking politician, half the shit he does is fucked up and wrong. But. Under this circumstance where life and death is on the fucking line, I mean, in a pandemic, which we are still in a pandemic, you should always remember that word because that's where we're fucking at, folks. This is not the wrong, wrong way to go. And it is a it is bizarre to me, just bizarre that this would even be something brought up. But the politicized nature of cotton candy is just 
something from a science fiction novel from yesteryear that if you read, you would go, what a poor author. This would never happen, and it's unrealistic. And again, I think Newsom, a lot of Newsom's own arrogance contributed to this because, like, in uh, I've heard, you know, Elder, because he's a, a radio host, he has been running a lot of ads on the radio, you know, because that's his, that's his audience. And so I've heard them, quite a few of them. And, you know, I told you the whole thing that I think really triggered this recall was the outrage over Newsom in the middle of the, the really stringent lockdown where, like, no one was on the freeways and just, like, it was stay-at-home mandates and stuff. And then he went to some wedding reception or wedding party or something at, at the French Laundry restaurant. Uh, you know, I think that was really the, the tipping point and, and really the flashpoint, I meant to say. And Elder's own commercial is like, with Gavin Newsom's record, he shouldn't be able to get a job as a busboy at the French Laundry restaurant. You know, like all super, like just snarky. And it's like Newsom completely shot himself in the leg with this. But regardless, as far as what's best for the state, I think if he gets recalled in this situation, I think it's disastrous just for the for the economy, for the health, for and then pretty much any metric that you can possibly think of outside of maybe, you know, big business oil companies and, you know, the traditional, uh, you know, conservative Republican uh, base. <laughs> yeah. When I say the base, I mean the financial base, not the, you know, I don't think the, you know, the people that are, that would vote for Elder, one of his ilk in, in good faith, who somehow believes that he'll fight for them or something, who's just like, you know, destitute or poor and, you know, uber religious or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think their lives are going to get a, a modicum better you know, with a, a quote unquote regime change. But if you are in the sound of my voice and you live in California, folks, whether you agree or disagree with me, vote one way or another vote. It's too important to just sit at home and be like, well, it'll work itself out. It will not work itself out. Jesus Christ. If we've learned anything from American, American politics, don't just assume that the right thing's going to happen. Folks, you are needed. Get off your ass and go vote. And I mean, you know, Trump versus Clinton back in 2016, really, I mean, you know, obviously before everything that happened happened, it, it seemed like it was a bit of a vote of the lesser of two evils. I didn't, I don't think those two evils were equal by any stretch. There was competence versus utter incompetence, uh, even if one is, you know, perhaps more corrupt, but at least smarter than the other. Um I think, let me rephrase, because I, I didn't make myself clear on that. I think both Clinton and Trump are corrupt to the core in their own ways. I don't think Hillary Clinton is stupid, whereas I think Trump is every bit as corrupt, if not more so, than Hillary Clinton is, and is a moron. So between the two of them, Clinton would have, I think, done a better job as much as I really am not a fan. However, uh, this choice, I don't think is anywhere near as extreme. Like I don't like Newsom in some ways, but I don't think he's been an utter disaster as a governor has been just like, I don't think this is a lesser of two evils. It's like, this is choosing the imperfect problematic guy over the absolute shit show that would follow. Well, really, um, really Dave, in my opinion is choosing life or death. Yeah, it can be for some people. It is. And who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll be one of them. If, if I end up with COVID because elder decides to lift the mandates or whatever. And I get a breakthrough case who knows. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my uh, two cents dozens. Uh, Jason, where could the dozens weigh in on this? <clears throat> well, I don't know. You might be able to contact us at this very well-known email address that we now have known as ask Dave and Jason at protonmail.com because well, God damn it. Protons. <laughs> And fuck you, Dr. Cosby. And don't take ivermectin without your doctor. God especially damn. If it's That's good TV. Especially if it's made for horses. Uh, second subject of the week, Jason. I mean, we've, we've covered, we've covered a lot of fucking dumpsters today already. I mean, it's like I'm there are tired. fires all around me right now. God, it's like living in California again. Pretty much. Uh, second subject of the week is childhood is dead. Oh, it's such a happy, happy time in the podcast when we hit this one. If Elder gets elected and takes mass out of schools, childhood would be dead for many more people. But that's that's another subject. Anyway, childhood is dead, Jason. <clears throat> Why is. is it this week? Well, we got a lot of feedback from you guys out there that we thought we would uh, delve into specifically 
We're back on the He-Man topic, which you know I love He-Man. We know I love Masters of the Universe. It is the start of my body dysmorphia and my morality. So it is what it is. Uh, Netflix, for all of you who don't know, actually has an entire new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe series that is not related to the He-Man or the Masters of the Universe revelations thing that we've already covered from Kevin Smith. They, they doubled down on He-Man. They tripled down on He-Man because actually they already started with uh, the She-Ra cartoon a couple years ago. So they're already on there. I think the second, third season on that thing. So uh, quick, quick question, Jason. Am I correct? The second half of the Kevin Smith, the Revelations one, still has yet to be released. Is that correct? That is correct, my friend. That is okay. correct. And uh, so anyway, a lot of you really, I, I don't know if it was to get me to explode or piss myself or whatever it was you were trying to do. Sent me. A, That's your midnight show. That is my midnight, and I get paid for that. So if you want me to piss myself, you know where to meet me tonight. 12 Midnight, Pornhub, Alpha J. But at any rate, this was interesting because it was the trailer for the new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And a lot of it was like, hey, hey, what do you think about this, Fidella Godzilla? Ha this is really going to fuck with you. Uh, so I watched it. And it is animated as well. It's animated and it's computer okay. generation animation, hmm. whatever the fuck you call it, uh, masturbation, whatever, all this chuns. But uh, automation, it was it was put on there for Netflix, and uh, the, it is definitely for a younger set. Uh, let's say James's age, maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The younger peoples, the little people out there, the leprechauns, the you know all these little guys, and. Um, it, it, so I think a lot of people wanted me to watch it, and then I read on what's it called, Gizmodo, Quizmodo, okay, yeah. whatever the fuck it's called. G- they're fanboys, probably. Yeah, they're fanboys, and uh, about the changes that were being made to the uh, mythos that is He Man uh, for the younger generation. So I watched Quick it. Quick question? Yes, of course. Um, because I have not seen the um, Masters of the Universe Revelations, and I have not seen the trailer of which you are currently discussing, is this a thing, and it sounds like it is, but where if you just took a look at a clip from one versus a clip from the other, just from the art style, would you be able to tell definitively the difference between the two? Very much so. Very much so. Okay. The, the animation in Revelations is fantastic. It's really well done hand animation and i have nothing bad to say about the look of of that animated series that was definitely made for my age group i guess uh you know and and kevin smith uh really that animation is perfect it's beautiful um this is this is computer generated much like you see i don't know if you're you know transformers prime or there's a lot of kids shows out there that have been done with computer uh animation uh that that styling anyway it's very obvious that it's a different thing and in this one he-man is you know a a boy it's like a prince adam that's that's younger uh maybe he's about i don't know i'd say he's 12 to 15 and it's something like that and then he's got a group of friends i can only imagine her name tila and he's got, got battle cat or whatever cringer and when he transforms they all transform. They're all masters. They all have superpowers and the castle pops up and he, there's a different thing. It's He-Man, but it's He-Man for everybody out there. All the kids can get into. They're all superheroes now and there's a lot of stuff. And Orko, who used to be this magical elf trolling thing, is now a robot uh, that runs around and, and is, uh, well, he floats around, and, but he's still the comic relief looking thing, whatever. So I watched it a couple times. And I have to tell you something for all of you who sent it to me. Uh, I can't wait. I'm very, very excited and happy that there's actually going to be something called He-Man that is fun and, you know, entertaining. And it's something you can show your children or watch with. And I, I have stood by this for the last several months, maybe the last six months, that I taught myself this, and a lot of you have grabbed a hold of it, much like you need to start collecting physical media out there, dozens, and you do. Uh, everybody has a their version of, 
what they love. There is a version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Dave loves. There is a version of Batman Jason loves. And there are other versions for other generations or other people or, you know, different subcultures, what have you. And it's O-fucking-K. And I can tell you that all my hopes and dreams were put into He-Man Revelations. And honestly, we're just going to have to see if part two can somehow fix the way I feel about the first half. I don't think it will. And a lot of, a lot of people, you can research it on Google. You can put in He-Man and there is actually, you know how it leads you to things like if you look up our podcast, it will lead you to words like cotton candy or pro wrestling or okay. There's actually, when you look up He-Man Netflix, the word woke W-O-K-E pops up repeatedly. And it's kind of what I talked about. Like, it's so obvious, but that's not why I really had a fucking massive issue with it. It's really because I thought Kevin Smith, I thought he was going to bring his A game. This is definitely not his fucking A game. He went to a well of storytelling again and again that just became, you know, very redundant and lazy, in my opinion. So my, my real problem is with Kevin Smith's writing and direction of the show. And it has very little to do with, you know, Tila being the main character or, or anything like that. Uh, but it, I can tell you this, I was in the office the other day at my, my job and a young man who's probably about 25, he said, Hey, my dad grew up with He-Man. Doesn't this make me fucking feel old? And he loved it, so he wanted me to watch it. And he used to collect all the figures, and he has all the stuff from Cartoon Network. He's basically fucking describing me. Okay, I was like, how old are you? Does your mom come from California? No, okay, he don't look like me. But at any rate, he was talking about all this stuff with He-Man. He said, I watched He-Man Revelations. And he goes, honestly, I just thought it would be more fun. That's what he said. I was like, oh my God, this is this kid's introduction to this fantasy world I fucking love. And he just looked at it like it was this dismal, depressing, non-action adventure, swashbuckling, legendary thing. And I was like, well, there you go. So yeah, Kevin, you failed on multiple levels. You didn't get the young crowd that's 20 years younger than me. And you didn't get my crowd either. So that's my fucking problem. So when everyone sent me this other He-Man... I honestly, I'm not even making this up. I'm not trying to be contrary for, you know, fuck's sake to, to throw it in Kevin Smith's face or to to make an entertaining little speech here. I really am looking forward to some version of He-Man that is a fun thing to watch. Because honestly, when you're a kid, that's all you give a fuck about anyway. That's why I fell in love with the whole shit. And I can tell you this whoever's fucking voicing Skeletor is doing a much better job than the Joker as Skeletor Mark Hamill. I'm just throwing that out there. So I'm just looking very, very forward to this, that my may hope, you know, James's version of maybe He-Man. And I want to throw this out here too, which is the whole point of this. The topic is I don't think it's that big of a deal to have different versions of of a brand, okay? Uh, we've seen it again and again, and even when James was three or four years old, he could tell the difference between the filmation He-Man, the Cartoon Network He-Man, and what has now become Revelations He-Man. He knows what they are, and as a young person, he even knew certain things are continuity and certain things aren't. Our children today, by three or four, they are goddamn little fucking story geniuses. He, I can't even tell you, I don't know if you follow this, Dave, how many different variations of Transformers there are out there. They probably make five, 10, 25 versions of Transformer cartoons for children, young children. And James and his friends can tell you all the variations, why Bumblebee knows this person in this series, but not that person in that series. Like it's not hard for them They're quick on the uptake, okay, on things. And I'm just, I think it's fascinating uh, seeing these different variations in branding. For instance, I'm not sure you know about this. There is a uh, Paramount Plus Nickelodeon series uh, called Star Trek Prodigy that's coming out. And it's the exact same thing, Dave. It's uh, They're getting computer animation, and it looks beautiful, phenomenal, whoever's behind that. And they are having... Children commandeer a fucking starship and go on action adventure Star Trekky stuff uh, with big time scoring. The musical scoring sounds like Star Trek. It looks like Star Trek. It feels like Star Trek. But it's for probably five to ten year olds, honestly. And 
that's pretty fucking exciting too. Because I think in all the Dark Knight Returns version, Watchmen versions of everything that we love and making it darker and people dying and thinking that's good storytelling, we have lost, we have lost, I guess, the nucleus of why we fell in love with these fanboy properties. With, with you, I'm always going to draw back to, I know you love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And there is an element of when we fell in love with it, it was fun. It was fucking fun. And they're just not making a lot of those properties for adults anymore. They're trying to get you hooked back in. And I think that when there's grit and there's grime and there's hardcore storytelling, I, I get that. We need that. Okay. But you also got to make it fun. You got to make it where I, this is a thing that at the end of the day makes me happy. Not like you're watching a funeral after every fucking episode, which is how you feel literally, and I'm using that word correctly, not like the rest of the fucking civilization right now, when you watch He-Man Revelations, you're like, well, there goes another person. Well, there goes another fucking lifelong character. Well, there goes another person. And after a while, just like, what the fuck already? Sometimes they kill people more than once. I'm sorry if that's too many spoilers for you kids, but you gotta make the properties fun like it used to be when we were kids. Well, you know, you know, I have two questions for you, Jason. First, you know, you know what is fun? What, buddy? Job guys on YouTube. We just put out a new behind-the-scenes video today. Well, today at the time of this recording. So, uh, if you want to see how the series was made, go check that out and rewatch season one because we need the metrics. Uh, so that's that's the uh, the first thing. Second thing, uh, Jason, is. Actually, I'm kind of forgetting what the second thing was. I got so enthusiastic about the first thing. But <laughs> you know what? <laughs> All I care about is that Job Guys becomes a computer-generated mm. fucking cartoon for 10-year-olds. That's, that's really where we need to go with Job Guys at this point. Well, the uh, Masters, of the original Masters of the Universe cartoon, because I know uh, Cartoon Network, did a, like you mentioned, did their own version of it. The original Hanna-Barbera, it was Hanna-Barbera, I think, that did the original. It, it was Filmation. Filmation. Okay, pardon me. Um, but are the originals, are those still currently available? Like, are they on Netflix? Are they on Hulu? Or, like, are do you have a source where the originals are still available to be consumed? Or is that not currently a thing? Well, I know for a fact that I don't know if it still is right now because I don't have any kind of... I haven't looked it up, honestly. They were sure. They were playing on... Uh, Netflix for a long time. You okay. can watch He-Man on Netflix. Uh, the original, the shit from the 80s, the Filmation originals. But um, I do recommend you get physical media. They're all available on physical media and remastered, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, for all of your pleasure out there. But also, um, for whatever reason, I don't know who owns it. I think it's a Mattel. Mattel obviously owns it. Uh, on YouTube, I think you can watch every single episode now on the He-Man YouTube channel so you can watch all of the filmation run if you want every single one of them yeah you know what you know what else is on youtube jason i do i do it's uh <laughs> aew <laughs> aew is wonderful out there yeah but before before we get into our final topic of the of the week uh there is there's a story i want to share with you especially because you just brought up physical media i had a, an interesting kind of not interesting that might be overstating it but i have a story i'd like to share quickly about um, what we talked about before in regards to physical media and its importance. One movie that I own digitally that I was because it was too expensive to or difficult to find a physical version of is a documentary we've talked about before, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Uh, it's about Jake Roberts and uh, him working with Diamond Dallas Page through rehab and through physical rehab and getting in better shape and trying to get his life back after decades of substance let me just, abuse. Let me just interject. So if you're looking this up, it's actually the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. So just if you were actually, looking it up, right? I, I wish it was. I always thought that was the better title. But actually, Roberts is not part of the official title. It is just resurrection of Jake the Snake. Why is that exactly? I don't know. It's always been that way, though, because originally when they were in, in pre, when they were making it, they would when they were talking about it in interviews and stuff, they would say resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. That's how I know when it. it came out, it has always been resurrection of Jake the Snake. I sit corrected. 
So never forget it, Jason. But anyway, uh, so I own that movie digitally. I had bought it through Amazon Prime. Or I'm sorry, not Amazon Prime, uh, through Amazon. Uh, well, yeah, I guess Prime through their digital service. It is now currently, it had, it had been available for a while on Prime for, a, you know, to, for free streaming if you were a Prime member. And then it wasn't for an extended period of time, which was fine because I owned it digitally anyway. Then it came back to Prime. I, I'm assuming fairly recently. I don't know exactly when. But I think something weird happened then because yesterday, just on a lark, I was just scrolling through like my digital like archive, the films that I have purchased and that I own through the various, whether it be through Vudu or Amazon or, you know, whatever. And I'm noticing I'm not seeing the Jake Roberts documentary anywhere. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now, I know this doesn't show up on the Movies Anywhere app because for some reason some don't. Uh, like I think John Wick three doesn't show up under there for me either because of some licensing thing or whatever. I have to go to Voodoo for that. But like I'm pretty sure I bought that through through Amazon. Let me check Amazon specifically, and you know, and I'm scrolling through nothing, nothing, nothing. So I did a search for it, and it says you know free to Prime members purchase options. And out of curiosity, I click on purchase options, and it's giving me the option to buy it. It's like I bought this shit. Like when it first came out on streaming, I bought this shit. Like what the fuck? So, uh. In preparation of having to make a phone call to Amazon, I go through my Amazon purchase history, like all of it, and I'm scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through, and I found it. The 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 basically the digital receipt showing that I had bought that movie digitally through Amazon in I don't know if it was like 2014 or 2018 or it was years ago. So I clicked on that, and when I clicked on that, all of a sudden, it showed again that I owned it and that I owned it through, and it showed up in my Amazon library, whereas before it was trying to get me to buy it again. Weird little thing. So just something for the dozens to keep in mind. Keep track of the shit that you you buy digitally because it's not always, you know, like with Ron Perlman where they just locked him out yeah. of his shit. Um, it's not always something nefarious necessarily, but even just because of a technical hiccup, you better know what you own and what you don't because you may need to go fight to reown it at some point or another. Well, I, I honestly think it is nefarious. I think that somebody's like, sure. motherfuckers out there probably forget what they even goddamn bought five years ago. It's it's never like you accidentally end up with a movie that you didn't buy. Right. So the, the error always goes in one direction. I agree with you there. Yeah, bullshit. But it is it is amazing how many people out there really took to our get it on physical media. This stuff I'm talking about, your childhood, I'm a big fan of if you love something when you were a fucking kid, like all these records I listened to when I was a kid, now that we call them vinyl, you know, I have got them all because it really takes you back. It's the form that you listen to it in. He-Man, I've got all that shit on, on DVD. I've got Transformers on DVD, G.I. Joe on DVD, all the all your fucking shit you grew up with as a kid that you love, Superman the movie, whatever. Get that shit. Get that shit. Get all of it on physical media because these fucking streaming digital motherfucking services, they they will fuck you seven ways to Sunday. I guarantee goddamn to it. And it's getting worse every fucking day. So final subject of the week, we talked about childhood is dead, Jason. You know what else is dead? NXT is fucking gone. God damn it. We knew it was a matter of time. This is why we can't have nice things. So I I think we at least referenced this a few weeks ago. I don't think we did a full segment on it, but didn't we at least like kind of allude to the fact that Triple H was falling out of favor as far as his uh, running of developmental? And then it was NXT was getting an entire revamp. They've already released a new logo that looks like someone vomited all over it. Uh, and now, uh, have you seen this thing? It's like all I, rainbow I colored. Seen it. Just I don't like give it a shit. looks like a unicorn took a piss all over it after drinking oh vodka for God. three days. But so now it is, you know, the the strong. I don't want to say confirmed, but it has been strongly reported that Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard will be running, uh, producing the. Uh, the NXT shows once they go back to live television in a couple of weeks. And, uh, I look at this last, this last takeover that they just did, whereas the main event was uh, carrying across Samoa Joe, um, and Adam Cole and, and Kyle O'Reilly, uh, which also is probably Adam Cole's last WWE appearance, though he still could conceivably resign, but I find it unlikely, but who knows? Um, that is really the last canonical, if that's the right word, uh, NXT takeover that we'll ever get. 
Like it ran from the first televised takeover right at before WrestleMania 30 uh, on the WWE network all the way through to this one, like two weeks ago. And that is NXT as NXT will ever be because now it's just going to go back to bullshit with Vince's creative genius now at the reins. It's going to be a bunch of fucking McManigans. It's just um, another bullshit McMahon brand. And I seriously, I have no interest in ever watching another show of NXT now. Like I honestly, and that sounds very reactionary. That's honestly like where I'm at at this. I'm not saying I never will, but I'm saying at this moment, I have absolutely no interest in seeing where NXT is going to go. Like, nope, for me, series finale was this last takeover. I'm good. (laughs) That's a good way to put it, buddy. Honestly, I'm telling you is, um, we were all, this was, this was two, three episodes ago. We did talk, I think more than passingly, a passing about, um, the NXT, you know, getting rid of so much talent and then, yeah, uh, they cut so many, they really did. Uh, I don't know what the final number was, but Jesus Christ, it was almost like 20 people. And some of them were top hands so um the, the the issue is after that we did get into the most interesting part of the subject for me and for i think a lot of people out there is where is triple h paul Levesque, where's his standing in this goddamn empire now where does he stand why is he where he's at how much input does he have on fucking anything anymore here because the great hope of uh wrestling marks out there uh was that when vince finally died if he ever chooses to to do that that somehow triple h would get control of at least the creative goings-ons of wwe because in 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 triple h we trust with that not as it pertains to his own creative, but the creative no. of others. He's—I honestly think he's got the best mind for it. Uh, he's and- a pro. He's a professional wrestling fan, which is more than what we can say for Vince McMahon or Kevin Dunn or any of these other Bruce Pritchard or any of these other fuckers that are making the decisions. That's right, and I think that um, it was very accurate. What we were discussing is that um, Bruce Pritchard, probably more than anyone, maybe. Uh, the WWE's con um, was in Vince's ear saying, uh, well, you know, we gave Triple H the fucking ball to go to war with this little uh, pissant AEW uh, company here on Wednesdays. And boy, did he fucking fail. So do you want to keep running this bullshit undersized kids pretend wrestling federation? Or do you want to throw some McManigans in there and get this thing going again? And they said it enough to him to where obviously this is what happened. Uh, they, they, I think a week or two ago, one of them, somebody from the head WWE bullshit company said, no, triple H is still going to be in charge. And he's still Nick Khan. Nick Khan. Yeah, he did as some investors, something Un- unrelated to Tony Khan, but I do find that similarity it's, in yeah. name. Hilarious. Yeah, we'll it, continue. It's AEW's con and WWE's con it's con versus con at, at any rate. Um, it, no triple H is very much. You can tell not in goddamn charge of anything here with NXT anymore. And I'm more fascinated because I'm, you know, a soap opera drama queen, uh, what is going on here with Triple H in the McMahon family? Like, does he just go home at night and rant and rave to Stephanie? Or is he just sitting there taking it? Or is he just coming up with his own machinations? What is he doing? Is he out? Because I, we know for a fact with a lot of people talking that Bruce Pritchard was not in Triple H's favor when he left the company. Some people think that he left the company because of Triple H getting in Vince's ear. Now that Pritchard is back in the company... It definitely Vince is looking over at Bruce Pritchard a lot more than he's been looking at his son-in-law. So it's going to be interesting because um, Triple H got to figure out a way to stay relevant in this company. He has been so relevant in for decades and decades. And honestly, I'm not even talking about his bullshit made up uh, career in the ring. I mean, behind the scenes is where he was actually contributing in, a, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion. I think he's going to have to find uh, does Tony Khan have a daughter? 
<laughs> so I, don't know, I, I, I just, I, he's got to figure out a way to stay relevant in the, in, in the wrestling community and to still be part of this. I don't know if Vince is selling to NBC, but it's good to me, the focal human being, and I'm not even making this up for all of you who don't know is triple H. Honestly, whether they sell to NBC or whether it, you know, it is a McMahon property forever, or if they lose the overall war to AEW, I can only imagine that CM Punk must be just jacking himself off every night to the kind of fucking competition and numbers that AEW is now giving the WWE. He must just, I mean... The AEW beat NXT, which is like him beating Triple H, I'm sure, in his fucking mind. So it's uh, it's really become highly, highly intriguing, both the, you know, on-camera goings-ons of AEW, but the behind-the-scenes of WWE, where and really it's the relationship between Vince McMahon and Triple H. And I also, I mean, I can't even imagine how tense it must be in, in the Levesque household with, with Stephanie and him. I really don't know. It's, it's, it, to me, it's more fascinating what's going on behind the scenes at WWE. They could have a reality show and beat AEW's you know ratings with just the McMahon family and how fucked up all that must be going right now. Because uh, all, it's all you know, incestual. They're all married up to each other. They're all, you know. And just to see what the fuck this one family who controls all this uh, the power struggle that's happening inside that family. It's, I mean, it's right up there with goddamn motherfucking Game of Thrones. It really is. But uh, AEW, Shane's got to be happy. Shane's got to be happy. He walked <laughs> yeah, away from that shit totally. like, fucking a long time ago. Shane, Shane, uh, I always said it. If there was a way Shane and Triple H could have worked together, they can't. But if there was a way, Shane should have run the business side of things, and Triple H should have run the creative, and probably would have been the greatest fucking wrestling company of all time. I, I, you never know. But uh, CM Punk. And the uh, Darby Allen uh, buildup is going great at AEW and uh, all the promos that uh, I've been seeing from CM Punk and the audience reception uh, just, uh, it feels like you're watching the Monday Night War again. It feels good. feels exciting. feels, it just feels to hear Tony Schiavone and JR on the mic together. And it's, it's, I don't know. It just, it gives you, it gives you good feelings, folks. You got to start watching AEW if you haven't started watching yet. It's good stuff out there. Let's. Especially because we no longer need to watch NXT. So, mm-hmm. you know, that opens up some holes in the schedule. Rest in peace, NXT. And uh, I think that's our show this week. You got any final thoughts, Jason? No, I don't. But hey, guys, thank you so much for listening all over the world. We really do appreciate all of your feedback, all of your comments, everything that you say to us, because it dictates where this show goes. You are the dozens, and we do listen to you. Thank you very much. We appreciate each and every single one of you each and every single week. And for my partner, the Vanilla Godzilla, Jason Bailey. And for my partner over there, the great David Beaudry. We are one day closer to dead, but that day is not and will not be today. So keep those fuck you Dr. Cosby's coming and we will talk to you next week.